Hey guys, I'm Adam Rapport, and this is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. All right, this week we have on Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, all that good stuff. I actually kind of know Dave from way back when, growing up in D.C. together, going to shows and whatnot. And a few months back, a mutual friend of ours, Alex Ince, texted me and said, hey, have you checked out Dave's new barbecue business? And I was like, barbecue business? What? Turns out Grohl had started kind of a a catering gig called Backbeat Barbecue. Uh, And he was doing big parties and benefits and whatnot, had the big rig, smoking brisket and ribs, and was getting kind of serious about it. So, last time I was in L.A., cruise over to Dave's house in Encino with uh, my podcast pal and fellow D.C. native Joe House, and we sat down with Dave to talk barbecue. Oh, one warning. This episode includes quite a bit of profanity, uh, more so than we're used to on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. So, if you're listening with kids, maybe you want to, like, you know, switch over to the uh, New Yorker radio hour and save this one for your visit to the gym. Uh, All right. And with that, here is Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl, that's a ginormous cup of coffee you have there. I know. I just don't like having to go back to the pot every two and a half minutes. What? So you you, you were kind enough to pour me a cup earlier, and yes. ha- Joe House here. Right. Uh, hey, House. What's up, Rappo? <laughs> what up? House is in the house. What kind of coffee do you brew? Uh, I, I kind of brew anything. Like I really am not a coffee aficionado or snob. I will drink anything from AM, PM coffee to like crazy boutique death metal beans to you know to i'll go euro i'll go press you don't discriminate at all i just just need the caffeine i could give a shit what it tastes but we're in your house somebody brought some coffee into your house that's right you or somebody uh Uh, you're a rock star you don't know you know who brings it in it just shows up oh okay this is true i mean sometimes (laughs) people send it as gifts and i mean i don't know if you're familiar but there once was this youtube video that was called Fresh Pots, mm. which has millions and millions of views. And I'll tell you why. I was in this band called Them Crooked Vultures with Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. So we were making that record and I was drinking so much coffee. I was actually making two records and having my second child at the same time. <laughs> so I was sleeping like four hours a night. I'm an insomniac. I was sleeping like four hours a night. I'd not sleep, and then I'd wake up in the morning and I'd drink a pot of coffee by myself. And then I'd go to the studio and I'd drink another pot of coffee, work on this Foo Fighters thing. And in between coffee, I was drinking that Tejava stuff. You know that, like, tea? It's tea. It's tea, but it's like... So it's you like, had hot it, it's coffee. It's like if you free base tea. That's (laughs) what it's like. Hot coffee, cold tea? Hot coffee and cold tea in between. And then I'd have another pot. Then I'd go to the Vulture studio and drink another pot. So, like, in a day, I was probably drinking, no exaggeration, three to four pots of coffee. And then I'd get home from the studio at one o'clock in the morning and be like, why can't I sleep? And then I'd try to fucking sleep for four hours and wake up and do it again. So, while I was drinking all that coffee, this friend of ours was making a documentary of us making that record. So he was getting all of this on film, and I was losing my fucking mind. I was spazzing. Were you starting so to twitch? Hard. Was your eyes twitching no, or anything? No, just outrageously. Fucking, I was. I was. It was like I was on crack. Like I was out of my fucking mind. I had to go to the hospital. <laughs> well, that, I mean, explain that to me. Wait, sure. How and when did that happen? Okay, it actually happened right before the Foo Fighters were playing at the White House on the Fourth of July. Oh wow! How about that? So, and this is Obama's first year in office, yeah. and we were invited to go play on the South Lawn on the 4th of July, which I was like, 
Who would, like, I am so doing this because not only because we're being asked by the president and not only because it's Obama, but because I don't know if you remember what used to happen on the 4th of July on the mall. Yeah. The Rock Against Reagan shows. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So in the early 80s or mid 80s, they had these Rock Against Reagan shows uh, over by the Lincoln Memorial and all the punk rockers would come out and there'd be 15 punk rock bands. And it's like that was the 4th of July. So here I am 30 years later playing at the White House for the first African-American president, who we all think is red, on the South Lawn, on the 4th of July, I've got my kids and my mom with me, and I'm like, this is like, it's kind of some full circle shit. About two days before we're supposed to go to DC, I start getting chest pains. Oh, no. oh. And I'm like, holy yeah, fuck, I'm I can't I'm miss dying. the White House gig. No, I'm like, so I just put some Bayer aspirin in my wallet. Because <laughs> you read about ice cream, aspirin yeah. only for a heart like, attack. If I have a heart attack, I'll just put this under my tongue, and I'll be fine. <laughs> so, um, so I put the Bayer, in my wallet, we go to DC. I'm totally having chest pains. But did you did you think about coffee consumption at this point at all? I imagine that maybe it had something to yeah. do with that. There was a link or in your stress head. or the, the yeah. lack of sleep. So we do the thing, and I come home and I I call my doctor and I'm like, Mel, I'm having chest pains. And he's like, Okay, are you having them right now? I'm like, Kinda. He goes, Get in here. So I go in there and it's full six million dollar man just oh, like, yeah. with the things on mm. me and like an EKG and Do you have a hairy chest? I don't have any hair on my oh, chest. Oh, that's lucky. At all. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so so he's like, Yeah, I think you look fine, but you should get like a CAT scan. So I go in to get a CAT scan and the doctor comes in, he takes one look at the CAT scan and he's like, How old are you? And I said, I'm forty. I just turned forty. So I assumed I was going to die soon anyway. Because yeah. he's like, well, your heart's fine. And then he's like, are you under any stress? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. He goes, do you get enough sleep? I'm like, no. And he goes, do you drink a lot of coffee? I'm like, yeah. Depends what you mean by a lot. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, here's what you have to do. He basically said, try to play drums like three, three days a week and have a glass of red wine before bed. And you'll be fine. But did he tell you to cut down on your coffee consumption? Yeah, and yeah. I tried to decaffeinate. I it, bought decaf and tried to drink it. Oh, wow. Like a week. Anyway, so the Fresh Pots thing, when the record was coming out, we didn't have a video. We didn't make a video for a song. But my friend Liam had made that as a joke just for us, this stupid Fresh Pots thing. And my manager was like, do you mind if we put this fresh pots thing out instead of a video? And I was like, dude, that's a, it's embarrassing. It's really, you haven't seen it? <laughs> it's so it. embarrassing. And I haven't seen the dude, Queen movie so, either. Like okay. two things I got, I got to put on my this, list. It's not as good as the Queen movie. Um, it's so embarrassing. And I'm like, okay, I took one for the team. I'm like, yeah, sure. It comes out within like a day. It's got a million views on YouTube. The next day I go to the grocery store and I'm checking out. And the guy who's bagging my stuff, he looks at me, he goes, hey, man. Do you want a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so apparently we're here to do a podcast about barbecue. Uh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> well, look out the window. Oh, there's a giant. There's a, there's a giant rig, smoker rig out the window. That's my rig. All right, so so Dave, so okay. our, our mutual friend Alex Ince, nay Alex Varley. Yes. she texted me at some point a few months back, and she's like, "Oh well, you know Dave's got like this like barbecue thing he's got going on right now." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And like backbeat barbecue, and like oh. I'm like. What it's like it's on Instagram. So I went on Instagram. I'm like, is this like a real thing or is it like an Instagram account? Because you know, and I was like, oh wait, it is like a real thing. So ish, real ish. So, yeah. so at what point? When when did your interest in barbecue sort of take hold? So 
um, you know, growing up in Virginia, there was always some place somewhere that had some sort of barbecue. And it wasn't like a big part of my life when I was a kid, but it was always around and I always dug it and was always into cooking out. Actually, when I was a kid, when I was young, I used to go hunting and stuff like that. Really? Mm-hmm. Where? Like, like hunting rifles? We well, hunting rifles. Or did you? Go, well, as opposed to going like <laughs> hunting with like Ted Nugent in a crossbow. I used hunting shotguns. Actually, okay. I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm talking to a Jewish guy from like Upper Northwest DC. I don't know what. Well, these, and, yeah. and wait, Springfield, what is this Vir- fucking bone. What is this? <laughs> Springfield, Virginia, is in a hotbed of. You know, no, no, you're not going to go like fucking blazing guns in your yeah. backyard there. Uh, no, I would do a lot of bird hunting out um, on the bay. Oh, the bay. Sure. Classy. Down yeah. the ocean. Yeah. Mm. I would go to Assateague and um, around Chicoteague. And that was mainly like goose and duck, like Eastern Shore shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I would go to places like... Um, Outside of Leesburg and Purcellville in Virginia. I like to that do... you're going from like the like Rehoboth accent to the more like Southern <laughs> Virginia accent. You have to say the name of the places right. Yeah. So th- I would like, I would hunt like dove and pheasant and like mainly just bird. Hunting. Would you, dr- would someone dress them and then you would eat them or what would happen? Around... I would fucking clean them and then really? we would cook them. How'd you, where'd would you learn them. how to do that? I would that. eat pigeons from this guy. My mom had a boyfriend who lived with us, this guy, Chip Donaldson. He was awesome. Wow. He was a substitute teacher that was also a car salesman <laughs> that was a Vietnam vet oh that was like this brilliant dude that was like, he was, I think he was also a forensics coach or a debate coach. And he, he was wow. a, he was a really trippy guy that moved in with us. And our house went from looking kind of like a little tiny Hirshhorn Museum in Springfield, Virginia, to like a hunting lodge in one week everything was brown and there was wood everywhere and there was like maybe some taxidermy and there were all of a sudden there were shotguns above the bed like so but and that was like 10 or 11 so for a 10 or 11 year old boy you're like fuck yes this is fucking rad and so like i learned to hunt by going out to farms i learned to shoot by going out to farms and cleaning their barns of pigeons so chip and i would drive out into purcellville and lee's Berg and out in Virginia and we'd you'd just sort of look for the crazy pigeons flying around and you'd see you'd see a, a barn just covered in pigeons so you'd go to the main house and say like hi we, we were wondering if you needed your barn cleaned of pigeons and they'd be like oh but the shirt uh, yeah okay and we had this black Labrador named tar and we would go to the barn tar, tar wow. and we would put tar up in the loft and close off one end and tar would sit there this thing's like a thousand pigeons it's terrible but this is what we did and we would make the dog start barking and these fucking pigeons would come flying out and we would shoot the pigeons <laughs> right and then we would take the pigeons home and i would clean those fucking pigeons and we would cook them and eat every one of those fucking pigeons uh uh-uh. wow. this is the the logistics of it. So <laughs> you tell the people at the front door, we're going to go back into your barn and we're going to shoot guns. Yes, this is like a yeah. Mar- this is like a Marvel Comics origin story right here. And you, <laughs> and you did it for free, right? Like you didn't ask the people for money. No, we right, just got you wanted the pigeons. Did you have of of the birds you? And we will get to barbecue. The the birds that you did hunt or shoot, whatever the verbiage is. Did you have a favorite in terms of eating? Do you do you I remember that goose. fondly? I was a goose guy. And honestly, you know, like in some sort of like Rockwell Americano version of growing up, like to be able to go out to the Eastern Shore and lie in a fucking pit in the snow for hours until finally 
as the sun is coming up and you're freezing cold and you you shoot a goose of your own and bring it home and that's Christmas dinner. Yeah, it's pretty like, cool. That's that was that was kind of like how I grew up a little yeah. bit. And the Eastern Shore is beautiful. Yeah, Eastern Shore is I mean, amazing. Yeah, and then that uh, like. Everything back then, everything was so much uh, like less densely populated. Like yeah. Eastern Shore now has people and houses no. and stuff like that. And and the same of, of uh, Leesburg and Purcellville, yeah. same deal. Like there's people there now. That's all country. It's crazy stuff. out there. Like you know, forty years ago, what you're talking about, thirty five years ago, that's just all country. That's just country yeah. living. You can get it. It's still beautiful. You can still find oh, yeah, like, yeah, parts yeah. of it. But 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 anyway. So then we would also go on these camping trips down the Shenandoah and um you know for like two or three days you're just like on a boat in a sleeping bag like cooking stuff outside so I kind of feel like that's where I started getting into it like it's really fun just to build a fire and then to cook things over that yeah. that don't come out of a can it's as you know? elemental as it gets well the incredible thing is like at that early age you got an appreciation for like the patience part of it for for modern city folk like me, I grew up in Silver Spring. Uh, you know, I I didn't have any exposure to like you know breaking down an animal that way. I, I mean, the, the first time I got in touch with what's involved with you know uh, preparing your own food yeah. is like as an adult or, or with proper barbecue. Right. And as Dave knows, just the the amount of hours you're going to put in to make it takes ribs a while. Or, yeah. or ribs but when stuff. it really kicked in was when Nirvana became popular. Um. That record, Nevermind, came out in 1991, in the fall of 1991. And by the spring of 1992, it was just so gigantically huge that we were all making a lot of money, which is something we never had. Like in Scream, you know, per diem was $7.50 yeah. a day. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, that means two tacos and two packs of cigarettes. And, you know, and it was kind of like that in Nirvana too until that record really blew up. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh my God, what the fuck? And everyone was like, don't be an idiot. You have to buy a house. Don't like waste this money. Buy a house. Don't be stupid. So I should have bought a house in Seattle, but because I was 21, and didn't know anything about anything. I bought a beach house in Nags Head, North Carolina. <laughs> and so, How'd you pick that? Because we had gone down there a bunch, yeah, and like, as a so family. when we were young, we would we didn't go to Rehoboth. We went to Ocean City. Ocean City. Ocean City. We didn't go to Rehoboth. We went to Ocean City. But if we weren't going there, uh, we would go down to Nags Head, North Carolina. <clears throat> There's an area a little bit north of there called Corolla. It's up by this lighthouse up there. And so I, I bought a well. house in Corolla. And then spent the entire summer of 1992 there. And all I did every day was eat North Carolina pulled pork barbecue. Oh, that was it. Goodness gracious. And that's where I really started to realize, like, oh, this is spe like this is special. This is different. Mean, you don't get this anywhere else. It's just here. And um, still, to this day, like, I, you cannot find. I've been to places and ordered their North Carolina pulled pork North Carolina style in quotes. right yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. and they could try as fucking hard as they can but it's just not the fucking same and so that's where I got really into it and there was this place right up by the it was like Currituck Lighthouse or something like that there was this little fucking tiny shack that sold pints of that barbecue and I got mm. it all the fucking time like I'd just get a pint until it ran out and then I'd go get another pint and it ran out and just that on a white bun with slaw and that was fucking it and to me that's where I started thinking like oh this is barbecue Wow. Okay. Barbecue's not like 
hamburgers and fucking hot dogs on a grill. Barbecue is is something that's very simple, but like so sublime in, in how complex it can be to really zero in on that thing. Mm-hmm. So then that's kind of where I got into it, but I didn't really start cooking it until the last like five or six years. And that, and then it just became this slippery slope of like trying to get back to that thing mm-hmm. where you're like, oh shit, I just did it. Wow, so, I just did it. So what was your gateway moment? Did you like buy a big green egg or something? Or what, what was that first thing? It's kind of, yeah. So, okay. So I broke my leg once falling off the stage when we were playing live. And risk risks of the of the profession. It's yeah. true. But so I'd broken my leg and I couldn't walk. And we were about to finish a tour. We were in Austin, Texas, staying at the St. Cecilia Hotel. Mm, love that place. It's the best. Best hotel in America. I think it is the best hotel in America. You just don't want to leave. You go there and you're like, no, I'm good. Don't need to go out tonight. Best people. It's gonna stay yeah, here. There's nowhere yeah. there's nowhere more fun to hang out. Yeah. yeah. That courtyard and that yeah. bar. Exactly. The people that work that there. Big tree. It's the best. The big yeah. tree. Yeah. So we had the whole place to ourselves, right? And our tour was almost over. Right behind that is this recorded, like right at the end of that street oh, is that recording part, studio. Was it a Willie Nelson studio at some That's point? That's right. Yeah. Mm. He built that place in the 80s. And so I thought, since our tour is almost over, let's record a little EP there and give it to our fans for free. Just to say, like, thank you. Here's, the, you know. So I called up that studio, but I didn't say it was me. I was like, hi, my name's Dave, and I'm in a band, I want to record. And they never called back. So I was in the bar at St. Cecilia, and I said to the people that worked there, I'm like, shit, they haven't fucking called me back yet. And they were like, Why don't just record here. Just do it, do it in the bar. I'm like, you, it's... It's kind of loud. Yeah. <laughs> they said, we don't care. It's fine. So we set up a recording studio. Because there's no guests here. In that, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's tiny, too, by the way. It's very small. There's like there was that there's that fireplace. Yeah. yeah. And then that little bar. And so we just put the drums by the fireplace and started going for it. So anyway, so we recorded that. And we, I was, but then I'm like, okay, we got to think of like stuff to record. And I had all these old riffs. There was this one song. It was called Seven Corners that we had never finished. We recorded it every record for 20 years and never finished it. And I'm like, hey, you guys, let's just do Seven Corners. And Taylor was like, there's no way you'll finish it. And I go, I'll fucking finish it. He goes, look, if you finish it, we'll each give you $1,000. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm fucking finishing it now. <laughs> whether it's, whether it's, whether it's good or not. It doesn't even matter. It. Yeah. It's a fucking free EP. Yeah. I don't care. So I finish it. And we had one more little European run after that. The first day, we go to get our per diems for that two-week-long trip. And our per diem for the whole trip is like a thousand bucks. Tour manager walks in and says, okay, everybody, here's your per diem. And Taylor goes, everybody has to give their per diem to Dave because he fucking finished that song. And Nate, our bass player said, well, I actually bought you something. Mm. And I said, okay. And when I came home, there was a fucking big green egg here. Wow. And so that's how I started doing it. And I couldn't walk yet. So... And when you come home from tour, it's a really weird thing because it's like, you know, life on the road, as crazy as it might sound, is really structured, right? You know where you're going to be every fucking minute of every single day. You know what time lobby call is. You know what time the flight is leaving. You know what time catering opens. You know what time you hit the stage. You know what time you have to be on the bus to go to the next city. So it's like it's very structured. It's not like a Motley Crue movie. <laughs> it's like, I mean, maybe it is for Motley Crue, but, but for you get us, your daily it's like, schedule, you know where you have to be. Yeah, at. it's like yeah. you used to get day sheets under your door that says like, "Here's your day." 
again, we have to talk about it's barbecue. Not very long. I'm sorry. I want to go. Okay, sorry. It's gonna be a anyway. page of the magazine. So yeah. So what was the very first thing you made on the big green egg? Do you remember? Uh, I think usually the go-to for anyone is like, I'm just gonna try ribs. Yeah. Because mm. you just imagine like that's barbecue. That's, yeah, exactly. It's on the fucking Chili's commercials. Like yeah. that's that's what it is. Baby, that's barbecue. Baby. And so I didn't go straight to like. To, I didn't go straight for the brisket. No. I didn't go straight for the pork butt. I yep. didn't do the shoulder. I was like, I'm just gonna try a fucking rack of ribs. I have YouTube heroes. I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to my my number one YouTube barbecue guy, Malcolm Reed. Okay, uh, sure. Malcolm Reed, dude. I've watched every single one of his things, and he's just some guy that cooks in his backyard. Is he a green egg guy, or does he? He's, have a he'll he'll yeah. do anything. Yeah, he's got a bunch of different yeah. smokers, a bunch of different cookers, and anyway, so. Um, so I did a fucking rack of ribs and served it to the kid. And I didn't I didn't even know like how much to make. Like how, I didn't even know how many ribs were in a fucking rack. <laughs> I was just like, did you, I think I got a rack. Yeah. And I just went and did got you, it on. Did you there. make a dry rub first or you I like mm. bought some rub. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. went to barbecues galore and yeah, bought right. like a rub and you know, got peeled the membrane off and it was and it, they were they were baby backs. And so uh peeled the membrane off and got the rub on and put it on there and Held the temperature on the egg and gave it the right amount of smoke and foiled them after a few hours and took them off. And it was like, served them to the kids and they were just like, do you, you're... You do, you do barbecue? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> but everybody just got like two ribs. I didn't make enough. You know? So it was kind of a drag. And then I'm like, oh shit, I'm doing this tomorrow. So then I went and then, you know, like with anything, most musicians are obsessive, compulsive weirdos, mm -hmm. whether it comes down to the instrument that they play or arrangement or composition or whatever it is, like your mind sort of works in that way that you're just always trying to like one up the thing that you've done or perfect the, or get into that place where you're playing your instrument, but you're not thinking about it. And it's kind of the same, like the parallels between making music and making food are fucking it's insane like mm. those two things are so similar it's just nuts. kind of the attention to detail and it, everything patience. from that to serving to performing to recipe to composition to also, you also the, to the, you, like you the you're, sense you're of accomplishment there's an, there's an audience that someone's going to appreciate it. absolutely it and that's all that you're doing you're not mm. cooking food just so that you can look at it and go wow that's cool you're cooking food so somebody else is going to eat it and go fuck that was amazing yeah. it's the same thing as it's, it's like the same thing i didn't know it at the time but i started getting really into to it like oh right uh, and i had nothing to do i'm home from being on tour for fucking ever and i can't really walk around so i'm doing like physical therapy three hours a day and then just cooking and so i did that for a year or two or three and just became a total spaz so what, what was like your neck if if like baby back ribs or the entryway thing you make on a green egg what was that what was that get what was that next step up what was, what was it where well, for like, me oh, the next actually, step up was like oh shit i just fucking now i've got like now i can I can, I can make a rack of ribs that people will enjoy. I'm like, now I'm gonna go to the pork butt and I'm gonna fucking pull it and I'm gonna invite my mom over here and I'm gonna make a North Carolina sauce and I'm gonna give her her first fucking pulled pork sandwich since we had that house in North Carolina. And so, I, that's a lot of pressure. It is, and I mean, you know, I will never get to what the real like someone yeah. like Sam Jones or mm -hmm. like one of the real North Carolina dudes will do. You know, like did you the, the, did you did you talk it up to your mom first, or were you like, I'm gonna surprise her? No, I said like, hey, I think I'm gonna do some pulled pork, and I'm gonna make a vinegar-based sauce, and come over, and we'll have sandwiches. She was like, oh my god, did you make a slaw? 
I think my mom brought the okay, slaw. That's cool. cool. I do make a slaw now. Yeah. But at the time, I think she brought it. But yeah, so it was just fucking pork on a white bone so with how, slaw. So how did it turn like, out? Bam. It was great. I mean, it's, you know, if you go to somewhere like, um, I was just in Asheville, North Carolina, and I went to uh, Buxton oh, Barbecue, yeah. Buxton Hall. We had them at our best new restaurants issue a couple oh, years dude, ago. Oh, dude, man. Those Elliot? Is that, yeah. How great is Elliot? Greatest. He's such yeah. a badass. I mean, when you go and eat, like, he, that's he, that's. The and they do, deal. I don't know if you've been there at house, but they do whole been. hog. So they do the entire he pig. He does whole hog. And, and pick it and hack it and everything. And kick-ass pit oh, yeah. that's made by this guy, Sam Jones. Yeah. Who is the fucking? I mean, I have pictures of this guy Sam Jones. It's embarrassing because I just met him and I freaked out on him so hard. Yeah. Like he was a beetle. I freaked <laughs> yeah, out. On him. I was just like, Oh my god, I can't believe it too. But like, I have a picture on my phone of him cooking on the same pit that his like grandfather was cooking on in the 30s. Yeah, like it's that's that's hardcore shit. Yeah. So anyway, was you my was also- was my sandwich like one of theirs? Not even yeah. fucking close. <laughs> but the, I was basically just doing it to make my mom happy. Yeah. Like, I've flown in blue crabs from the fucking bay sure. on a G4 <laughs> just so my mom could fucking have them. Now, that's a rock star shit right yeah. there. Yeah. Not kidding. Yeah, no, I believe it. So, wait, all right, so I, what, what I find so fascinating about barbecue as a medium is that there's so much passion and patience involved, but it's, it's such a subtle art also. Like, the difference between... A really amazing brisket yeah. and a mediocre one. It's the same piece of meat. It's the same salt yeah. and pepper and stuff on there. So how did you sort of begin to elevate the, a, a pork butt from that first time to like, oh, you began, you began to get a more nuanced understanding of the smoke, the temperature, yeah. all those sort of the things. Wood. A lot of time yeah. and a lot of experimentation. Like, okay, this time I'm going to ease up on the smoke. Or this time I'm, I'm going to change the rub a little bit. This time... My sauce, I'm going to ease up on the on the red pepper. It's just, you know, you just do it like until you get to the point where you can do it sort of in your sleep, you know. And once you get into that rhythm where there's no like panic movement in your cook and you just kind of feel it out. I mean, it's like, you know, I didn't take lessons to play drums, but I can tell like this, like th- this part of the song needs a push. Like you just sort of know when that's supposed to happen. And I think a lot of it has to do with feel. And, you know, every once in a while, you're going to stick a temperature probe in something to make sure that, like, okay, I'm at that point where something needs to happen. But um, a lot of times are you just, like, touching the meat and feeling it to get it done. I mean, you like you look at the pullback on a rack of ribs and you're like, okay. I was just saying, where the, when the meat starts to come off the, yeah, bone, the bone, and you're like, like okay. you just start to sort of know. Like, the pullback. Right. I like that. Did you ever use that phrase, Joe? <laughs> of course not. I'm going to start not using pork butt. Pullback. Whatever. So, I mean, you know, and there's just simple things. Like, if you're doing a bone in pork butt and you're like, damn, that looks fucking good, and you tug on the bone and it's not fucking it's sliding weird. out, it's not done. That's not done. And you just fucking let, keep it in there and you're just like, okay. And, you know, I think. Everyone's got their own process and their own. I mean, you could watch those barbecue TV competition things all fucking day long. And every one of those shows, they're cooking the same fucking shit every show. I fucking watch them. I watch the same people do the same fucking ribs eight episodes in a row. I'm like, come on, Johnny but, Trick. So you, you can do a Johnny so Trick. Have, have you had that? You know, like, I root for these fucking guys. You have, know? have you had that moment where, like, speaking of your kids, like, all right, guys, I'm making like pulled pork or whatever. We're eating at 7, and the next thing you know, it's like 10 p.m., and it's still not ready. You know, timing is a big part of it. <laughs> but this is my question. Yes. Because this is – cooking barbecue is 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 a, uh, a not a quick and easy thing. You have three children, and you have a, a day job. So, like, when is the time – 
well, for, for doing this, this experimentation. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not really a day job. I'm not. <laughs> it's not really a day not. job? No. <laughs> okay. It's not work. Um, <laughs> it's funny because then it becomes the thing that you can disappear into barbecue in a very therapeutic way. Okay. That, like okay. you need a little bit of fucking Zen time where you're just staring at a temperature yeah. gauge yeah. or looking at a fire and just trying to fucking get your coals just right. That's, I mean, that was one of the nice things when I came home from tour for that first time, I was losing my mind. I was like, where's my day yeah. shoot? Where's catering? You know, I'm just <laughs> like, what the fuck do I? So in this like kind of Zen way, you just have to go, Oh, and just sort of like stare at the smoke and make sure that the smoke is cool. And the and kids then, know let let daddy stare at the smoke. Well, eventually the kids just want to be involved. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. So sure. The kids now like they. And my wife's sick of it. She's like, can we not have barbecue <laughs> yeah. tonight? Can we, can we not have smoky stuff again, <laughs> honey? So we please take a shower. He's yeah. like a fireman, you know. And wash all your clothes <laughs> and your uh, hair. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, but it you, it does take a really long time. I mean, it's when it comes to timing out things like if i'm doing a bigger cook for 200 or 300 or 400 people i know that like not only do i have to make sure that my food is fucking good to go but i have to make sure that like i'm ready to serve yeah and you know a big part of any when you're cooking any bigger piece of meat and especially barbecue like barbecue likes to rest you know Mm. So you don't want to pull a brisket out and just fucking start cutting it up for people you want that shit to sit so that not that it oh, you can't let it overcook, but you do want it to sort of rest to the point where the collagen and whatever within the meat right. is going to turn into that fucking butter, and then it can go mm, wham. So you can time things out that way. You don't want to fucking beat, but it's also ready when it's ready. So there have been times where I'm just looking at a butt, and it's not fucking doing what it's supposed to that's sorry. a little weird. Yeah, sorry. It, when you're looking at me like that, that's the we know. We know the doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, but yes. So timing has a lot to do with that. I want to. Can we put some shine on Dave Grohl? He just talked about cooking for 200 or 300, 400 yeah. people, and he just blew past it. What we're talking about when he says that, you know what he's doing? What, what's what's who who who's receiving this and what the point is and all the rest? Well, of no, it. I right? want to get to that point. You went from cooking to your kids. Who, oh yeah, kids are. I would say this about kids. They may not be the most refined critics, but they're always the most honest critics. If they don't like something, they will let you know. It's true. Believe me, it's like I've. I've spent more time. I pay a lot more attention to my cayenne now that my kids are eating the mm, barbecue. Because yeah. uh-huh. if I hit something too hard with the cayenne, yeah, there's no turning like, back. No, right? And I'll make a gigantic batch of sauce. Yeah. And then I'll and I'll have a pinch of it and be like, shit, I fucking like it's good for my like rock and roll friends. <laughs> yeah. They'll sweat balls while they're eating ribs, but my kids are just like they'll fucking lose their mind. <laughs> yeah, it goes from doing that to then. I mean, I was always like the grill guy. Yeah. So like, and I've always been like, you know, this is a great place to have a party. So 60 people would come over, 70 people would come over and I'd be fucking flipping burgers and doing whatever. Well, that eventually turned into the barbecue thing where now there's 50 people. And I went from the egg that Nate gave me within a month. I'm like, that's not fucking big enough. Yeah. So I got the bigger egg. And after a couple months, the parties went from 30 people to 50 people to 75 people. Now that egg's not fucking big enough. So then I get this fucking cabinet smoker from this thing place called uh, Meadow Creek. And it's basically just it's like a cabinet with a firebox and, and a water pan and then seven racks in it. So now I could fucking cook for 100 people or more. 
I could do briskets up top and ribs. I could do briskets. I could do, if I keep everything at one temperature, if I keep everything at 250, I can do my brisket at 250, my pork butt at 250, my ribs at 250, and I just pack that fucking cabinet with it and try to time it so that it'll all come off around the same time. They all take different. So you start one earlier, put one in midway. Pork put goes one, on yeah. first. It takes a little yeah. bit longer than the briskets and whatever. So... Then it goes from that to me, actually, that fucking cabinet smoker thing. I was obsessed with this thing. I wasn't ready to go for, like, the trailer, the yeah. barrel on the trailer yet. I was like, fuck, I'm going to get one of those cabinet things. And I've been talking it up for months, showing my wife, like, see, this thing is fucking badass. Like, look at this. It's so cool. And it's got this water trough pan thing. How rad is this? This is amazing. Christmas is coming up. And she's like. Wait till you see what I fucking got you for Christmas. I'm like, she got yeah. me the fucking thing, man. I can't fucking wait. And then on Christmas Day, all the presents are opened up. And she's like, okay, here's your last big present. She hands me this envelope. And I open it up. And it was a fucking uh, Japanese toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Believe me. It's the fucking best toilet I've ever had in my entire life. That fucking thing. A great Christmas present. That thing does some serious (laughs) shit. Cleaning. It's amazing. Uh, Next day, I'm online ordering the cabinet smoker thing, right? (laughs) So the cabinet smoker thing comes out, and I do that for a while. And, you know, so then I was doing parties where I was, I was, I had both eggs going and the cabinet going at the same time and, and at this point people when they said oh my god Dave, this is really good like you knew like oh they're not just saying that to be nice yes. you knew that what i'm making is, is turning out people well. and they're and people and they're like are you you should open a restaurant dude you yeah. should do a restaurant and i'm like eh, i don't know that sounds like a, a job yeah. i don't know yeah. <laughs> one of those small profit margin a so, lot of hours yeah and- anyway so that started happening a bunch then the parties started getting kind of bigger and then then my wife started this thing in the Valley. It was called the Valley Urban Market. She and a couple friends, they had talked about doing something along the lines of like an Italy, oh, right? Mm-hmm. But here in the Valley, in the San Fernando Valley um, is busy and it's crowded and it's families and it's schools and it's, it's a great place for restaurants. Um, it used to be kind of like, like no one would open restaurants in the valley. First of all, the valley is like the least cool place in the fucking world. Okay, where I live, where we are right now, is considered like I don't even know what to compare it to. Like back home, what would it be in D.C.? What would the least cool place? Annandale, Springfield, Virginia, somewhere in northern Virginia. Right, yeah. So I feel right yeah. at home yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's like the least cool place in the world. So when we first moved into this house 18 years ago. My wife is born and raised here in the Valley, and we were looking at places that were sort of down in Studio City, closer to kind of closer to civilization. Encino was considered to be really far away, which I would laugh at. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like seven miles. Yeah. It's not like we're in fucking Wichita, you know? <laughs> seven like, miles in LA traffic it gets I realize farther. that now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, right. holy shit, this is where it's out That's why we were late today. <laughs> so, but anyway, but when we first moved here, like, I would, bu- at the grocery store, I would bump into people like like Mac, the German guy that produced a bunch of Queen records. Mm-hmm. Like, or Dave Stewart, 
from the Eurythmics. He used to live right down the street. Tom Petty lived two blocks away. Dio lived like a block away. Ronnie James. Yeah, dude. (laughs) So like this hood was kind of like where like rock dudes would rock canyon hi you didn't know that when you moved at all yeah i just saw this house i was like how much is this fucking hey let's get it (laughs) this is great yeah so it's not like the coolest place in the world anyway so my wife started this project with some of her friends that was they wanted to open something like italy to like to do it like a brick and mortar version of that somewhere in the valley which would be hugely successful i'm sure somebody else is already fucking doing it it's gotta be because it's too easy of an idea like it would just that like on venture and laurel canyon would be fucking like the customer base is there and ready for it just be insane it's like the epicenter of everything you see in this valley right here all of this is like families and parents and kids that like don't want to fucking they get picked up from soccer practice they don't want to cook dinner they're going to go to this valley urban market that kid's going to get a pizza that kid's going to get a cheesesteak that person's going to get barbecue that person wants whatever you know Mm. what i mean so they started this outdoor thing with food trucks, and she was like, do you want to cook at it? And I'm like, fuck yeah, absolutely. But I can't fucking drag a bunch of eggs in a cabinet <laughs> out there. So there was this one smoker that I had my eye on for a long time, made by a company called Lang. Lang barbecues, Lang smokers. They're made in uh, Georgia, I think, and they make... A bunch of different versions. They make big ones and small ones and ones that are on trailers and ones that are for your... So I bought that Fat Boy. It's a Fat Boy 84. And uh, they delivered it out here. And I started cooking on it. And not only is it easier than any cooker I've ever fucking cooked on, it's a stick burner. It, you just throw logs in it. And, you know... the. So the, when, when, did, when did you get that then? I got that maybe... Eight months ago or something like that. So did you go to and do it? Yeah. So then I started cooking at these outdoor market things. And And how many people would you serve? Fucking, I don't know. 800. I don't know. As many as the came. Yeah. Like I'm my buddy. uh, I have a a friend, Chef Billy. He's got a he's from Tennessee and he's got a, a company called the Beach Pig. And so Billy came out with the Beach Pig and he was doing he had pork butts going and I was doing, maybe he was doing briskets. What was I doing? I was doing briskets and butts and he was doing some butts on his smoker and we were just all serving together and it was fucking a lot of people. So that's kind of where it started. And then I wound up getting calls to do things like the LA food bank thing and catering people's parties and just cook. And I love cooking for a lot of people. Mm. You did something at the Super Bowl? Haven't cooked at the Super Bowl. No, we were going to cook at the Super Bowl, but I messed up my arm, so I couldn't do it. But yeah, I mean, and and I just bought another fucking rig that's twice the size of that. Oh, my God. So that I can start cooking for thousands of people. Okay. (laughs) So we've been seeing the charity stuff, the charity, the charitable works. I know you're being... I mean, well, like you know, the other thing was when we had those fires, that was really kind of the beginning of a lot of it. We had those, the Malibu fires. So from here, it's it's a crazy thing to live here because when there are fires if you look out you can see the mountains yeah those mountains are sometimes on fire which is insane which is like it's like when you see that stuff on the news on the east coast it's like it's biblical you're like exactly. what is going that's on right there? when you're, you're east coast people right yeah. so when you're sitting here and that side of that mountain is on fire and you're just like jesus fucking christ that's fucking 20 miles away whatever that is and you could see the flames 
So I'm watching these evacuation centers on TV and these poor people have like have just had to like just split and yeah. fucking Grab just go, and go to like yep. to yeah. somewhere with all of these other families. and they and just wait and cross their fingers and hope that they'll have a home to come back to and that nobody gets hurt and I'm like watching them on TV just like god could you fucking imagine so I thought okay you know what I'm going to drag my smoker to one of those places and I'm going to go cook for everybody just fucking give them some food so mm-hmm. that at least they feel like something will make them feel better hopefully then I started thinking Maybe a big smoked brisket is the wrong thing to go. No. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's what they want to have right now. So I don't what know did if you I do? want to pull up and like yeah. blast a bunch of hickory yeah. in yeah. front of them. And I thought, well, maybe I'll feed the firefighters. Yeah. So one of the guys that used to run our website ages ago, this guy Jonathan Schumann, actually retired from the Foo Fighters internet business and became a firefighter. So we contacted him and he said, absolutely, I'm sure the guys would love it. And they gave me six or eight different fire stations to go to. And this is in the middle of all of these guys like running out there for 32 hours and busting ass and then coming back and taking a shower and going. And so um, so I just cooked a ton of food. I filled that thing, cooked hundreds of pounds of briskets and butts and um, made these care packages for each one of the fire stations. Everybody got a brisket, everyone got a butt, pulled it, made sauce, buns, slaw, and just went to each place and just gave it to them. Like, you know, thank you. And fucking, I hope you guys are okay. And I mean, it's insane. Like you see these guys and they're fucking heroes. Like they're running into a fire. Literally. Yes. They're running into a fire to keep your house from disappearing. Yeah. And it blew my mind. And you meet these guys and they're so thankful that you're there. There's like, man, you didn't have to do that. Like, really? Because, yeah, you didn't have to (laughs) keep California from burning down. Like, oh, my God, these guys were fucking amazing. And so so word got out uh, that that I was cooking a bunch. And right around that time, I had started this backbeat idea, this backbeat barbecue, which really uh, originally the idea was like, Here's the thing. I don't really want a fucking restaurant. I've talked to people about own, opening a restaurant. I just want to go park outside of like the Slayer show and yeah. cook a bunch <laughs> of barbecue. I want to park outside of the fucking Harley dealership and cook a bunch of barbecue. I want to go to like the LA food bank thing. I want to yeah. go to like this church or I want to go to this show. Or I want to, I just want to go like cook places where people will actually be super stoked that you're cooking and to be the one that's cooking and serving like, Cause that's the fun, you know, when, when like a Foo Fighters fan comes up with a plate in their hand and I'm fucking all nasty from cooking for 13 hours and I'm handing them a fucking pulled pork sandwich. It's like, what's up? Yeah. You know, it's not like some arena rock shit. It's mm-hmm. like, keep it moving motherfucker. Like, here's your sandwich. But you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. kind of cool. I like to be able to yeah. do that. It's fucking fun. So, so right now, sorry. All right, so where, where do you see backbeat in a year from now? What do, what do you want to do? What don't you want to do in terms of like growing it or, you know, well, you know, one of people, the great, et cetera. The bar, the, the, the barbecue Cinderella story here in the, in the San Fernando Valley is Trudy's underground barbecue. Do you know about Trudy's? No. Okay. You need to talk to Bert, the guy that does Trudy's. This guy is a fucking badass, right? You can ask him his story, but he basically just got really into barbecue, I think, from going to Franklin, That's, like in okay. Austin, right? Sure. He comes home from Franklin, 
and he starts cooking. He starts getting really good at it. He builds this radical smoker that he it, he named it Trudy. Everybody, you gotta name your fucking smoker. Yeah. So he fucking. What's, uh, he, what's yours? That's Darlene. Oh. So so he starts making brisket out of his driveway or backyard or something. He was kind of like selling tickets, I think, on Instagram. You have to ask him the whole story. But he basically started getting written up. The best brisket in Los Angeles is in this dude's backyard mm. in the valley, right? That, like, went for a while. And it's funny, when I first... he's He was like, I don't know who to compare him to. He's, he was like a, a rock, like a fucking barbecue rock star in Los Angeles. But I didn't know, like, who he was or what he looked at. Like, I just heard, like, that Trudy's... Trudy's Underground, that's the shit, man. That's the number one. Like, wow. And there's a lot of places you can go to get. There's little markets. A lot of markets here in the Valley on the weekends, they'll make barbecue. Like if it's like a mom and pop market that has like a meat counter in the back, usually on the weekends, they'll be out doing chicken or tri-tip or something outside on the weekends. And you can find a lot of fucking good barbecue there. Not at the restaurants, but at those markets. Anyway. So when I was cooking for one of those Valley Urban Market things at the Sportsman's Lodge in the Valley, I'm fucking sitting out there at 2 in the morning drinking a Coors Light in a fucking lawn chair. And this dude comes up and he's like, smells good. <laughs> what uh, what are you cooking? And I'm like, oh, I'm just doing butts and some briskets. Ah, what kind of wood are you using? <laughs> I'm he like, sounds very uh, erudite. He, you, wait till you meet him. You yeah. got it. You, I mean, if, while you're here, you have yeah. to talk, I'll text him right now. And be like, dude, you got to do this thing. Well, what's our dinner plan? He's yeah, amazing. Exactly. Well, it's, here's the thing. Okay, long story short, he had to stop doing the thing out of his. I think he had, because I think he got busted. Yeah. Uh, you can't, can't sell food out of yeah. your. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think. <laughs> so like he opened a place in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. It's called Slab. Okay, it's on Third and Crescent, and he and so his name's Bert. He is the guy. He's the Trudy's underground barbecue dude, and he's kicking fucking ass with this barbecue thing right now. I saw him when he came up to you. Did he know who you were? Or was yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's we, like, so we have mutual friends, but I'd never met him before. Okay, yeah. Like well, my brother-in-law know. knows him and stuff. Yeah. And he came up and I, at first I was like, "Who's this guy?" Like yeah. he's asking like, what "Kind of wood and the temperature yeah. and stuff." And then I realized like, "Oh, oh shit, you're... that's fucking <laughs> you! What's up?" And then we're doing shots of Yang or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so now he has a place, right? I mean, look, I love being able to like cook and I love when you're, when you look and you see a line of 400 people waiting to come around and you know, you're going to sell out. Like I only have enough meat to fucking serve three fourths of these people, but to watch them come by the line and you get to hang and everyone's having a beer and it's outside and it smells like a fucking barbecue and there's music. Mm. Usually everywhere I cook, there's fucking music. Yeah. So with now with backbeat, it's like, all right, I got a thing going, I got the routine down and I can do it when I want to do it, but it's not like running a restaurant where you got to do it every single day. Right. As with music, you know, there's, there's, I've had uh, Bruce Pavitt from sub pop records in Seattle. I interviewed him once for the Sonic Highways series that I did, and he laid it down to me how in music there are hobbyists and there's careerists. There there are fewer restrictions as a hobbyist because you're just doing it because you love to do it, yeah. right? As a careerist, you're making decisions based on um, kind of what not to do. Like, oh, God, I don't know if I should do that. Yeah. You also have like the, the label your partner's with, the, all these other things you've got to yeah. take into consideration. So like as a musician, you know, hobbyists are just kind of doing it for the love of doing it and for fun. Yeah. 
Um, whereas as a careerist, you're sort of, you know, you're making decisions based on like your career livelihood. Right. And so I kind of feel the same way with this, like with the Foo Fighters, like we don't have to be a band. Nobody has to be here. And we've always felt that way. We've always felt like, okay, even that, that first record was like, cool. That was fun. Let's like, let's do it again. Let's make one more and we'll go out <laughs> and do some more shows. And then we make one more record. Then it's like, okay. And then actually after our second record, we were let out of our contract. So we were free agents and we could have just stopped if we wanted to. And, um, we were like, I don't know. Should we do it again? Let's do it again. And because, because of our arrangement that we have with the record company that we work with Sony RCA people, I'm the president of our record company and I own our entire catalog. I just license it to them. We don't have to make records and stuff. We You're can not just... locked into a five no. record deal that you have to fulfill or something. And it's great. And yeah. it's one of the reasons why we love doing it. And it makes it so much easier because all of our the decisions that we make are basically like, okay, are you into it or are you not into it? Yeah. Like your gut feeling. Right? Are you like, do you want to or no? I don't know. So I feel the same way that like, this is just fun. Okay. So, for the listeners out there, if they want to check it out, they can follow you on Instagram. Yeah, I mean that's funny because I never had. I don't even like. I don't even have the app on my phone. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like if I want to post something on Instagram, I'm very behind the times. Yeah, he's your, yeah. With the technology thing, I'll send a picture to the person that I work with that does it, and like, hey, will you post this and say this? Like I don't even do it from my own. So, um, so backbeat bbq that's so, the handle right yeah i, I believe so, so. I, I, got, I got it somewhere on, it? on my phone yeah um but that's really it I and mean, there's not a website for instance i don't think we have a website well, we, why you don't need a website <laughs> i mean like you want me to cook Just fucking give me a call we'll work it out yeah backbeat Here, bbq in. all right um dave we're gonna do a lightning round now okay go because um been doing this for a while all right um can or bottle bottle like what's what you what are you drinking while barbecuing? It takes a while. First of all, if it's a really long cook, and it's and you're next to a fire, I'm not gonna rock some fucking hefeweizen for 18 hours. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, no, just no, you're not. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I like it light. I don't get into like crazy earwaxy IPAs <laughs> unless I'm with friends and trying to impress them. Otherwise, my number one, like for real, my go to. Yeah. Is High Life, dude. Oh, the High Life. Sure. The High Life. Always. Also, the best yeah. bottle ever. It the really best is. bottle. Best looking bottle. Best. Uh, it, the can's good, too. It's yeah. a handsome can. The gold can. But it's not the same as the bottle. It's not. But I will not turn down a fucking Coors Light if the Rockies are blue. That's just <laughs> me. Rockies. You know it's cold. <laughs> Baseball cap backwards or forward? I go backwards, but that's, I think that might be a drummer thing. Oh, so it doesn't get in your way as you're flailing I mean, about. Yeah, but it's also more 80s. You know what I mean? Backwards. Backwards with a sleeveless t-shirt. A bit more Tommy Fucking Lee. jeans and like some old school Air Jordans. Tell me that's not what we were wearing <laughs> in Washington, D.C. I have photos. In the yes. late 80s. I'm still there, dude. I haven't, I haven't grown out well, of that. I change if you don't have to. I know. Vinegar slaw or mayo slaw? I like a mayo slaw. Yes. Yeah, so it depends. That's a tricky one. Yeah, okay. Um, my slaw is very fucking simple. 
my slaw is basically just sugar, mayonnaise, celery seed, fucking pepper. Like, it's really simple. It's not, I don't do any crazy, crazy shit. But my mom gets down on, like, some German shit. Mm. With that, I, I've, for Thanksgiving dinner, I go vinegar. If I'm doing barbecue, I would do. Well, iced coffee or hot coffee? It doesn't matter. Oh, really? Honestly. Oh. Like, I'd go fucking, I'd probably go hot. Yeah. This is a grilling question more than a barbecue question, but briquettes or lump hardwood? I would go lump hardwood. Okay. Depends, though. Like, if I'm in a pinch, uh, I will go briquettes. I prefer the lump, but um, I did a couple of fucking, like, two-inch porterhouses the other day. Mm. Where I fucking rocked that shit for <laughs> the kids' dinner, mm. just for fun. I fucking, they were so fucking good. My wife is like, where'd you get the, are these like dry aged? I'm like, no, they're from the fucking grocery store. <laughs> but I hit it just fucking right. That's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. When you slice it open, you're like, oh, it's you're like, perfect medium rare. nailed it. Charred on the I outside. I literally share photos of like my ribeyes, like they're baby pictures. I'm like, <laughs> have you seen true. this? Have you seen this? We're like, yeah, Rappo, I've seen that seven times. Like, oh, sorry. You really do. That's one of the things about having a barbecue Instagram. Like after a good like month, which are two where there's like 75 pictures you're like how many more ways am i gonna yeah. be? like am i gonna plate a fucking rib where i get the right lighting so you can see the smoke check rig. out the smoke rig yeah it's so fucking lame uh high tops or low tops high tops always always do you have a particular brand of choice old school jordans old school jordan nice. you know i had a shoe company mm. nobody knows this no because nobody bought them no <laughs> i had a fucking i had ages ago 10 years ago 14 years ago i started a shoe company called hooves Mm. which were basically an old school Air Jordan design uh, with a crazy like Celtic Frost sort of metal logo. They were designed for metal heads. They came in a coffin with a toe tag <laughs> and a guitar pick. And I had all these designs. I made them with Burton, uh, the shoe company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Snowboarder. Yeah, yeah. Snowboard company. Yeah. We did like a thousand pairs. A bunch of them went to Japan. I was like, this is going to be so fucking huge. And then the recession hit. I blame it on the recession. Oh, yeah. Not the a, lot, a lot of people blamed a lot of failed projects on the recession. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marty, you get one. Drums or guitar? Drums. Baked beans or potato salad? Ugh. Potato salad. Do you have a preference in terms of making it or type you like? I think because my father, we grew up eating a lot of German food. Mm. I would prefer the German sort of dill vinegar. Yeah. Vibe. Love that. All right. Last question, which we ask all of our guests. Butter or olive oil? Butter. Oh, my God. Everything's better with butter, right? Isn't that <laughs> what they say? They do. Dave Grohl, thank you so much. Later, Holmes. <laughs>